want to talk to you a little bit. Maybe an odd day for some. But it's what God the Holy Spirit deposited in my spirit to share with you. Now, I don't want to share it just to take up time. Because we could, you know, listen to the radio or we could do something like that. So I want you to do your best, lock in with me, even there at home. I know you're still on your, in your lazy boy with your blousy pants and the fan blowing up the leg. And you got your donuts and your coffee. But I need you to lock in here with me. Those of you in these great tabernacles, lock in with me. Because I really do believe I'm going to give you some things that are life-altering. Life-altering. Like, if you'll put these to work... I really do believe they will work for you in causing you to live that John 10.10 abundant life. John 10.10, the thief, the adversary, the devil came not but for to kill and to steal and to destroy. But Jesus said he had come to give us life and life more abundantly, more abundantly. Life sufficient in quantity, but superior in quality. I'm here to tell you, Miller knows nothing about the high life. Because you drink Miller, you'll get thirsty for it again. But God will give you water to drink that he told that woman at the well of Samaria, you'll never thirst again. How many of you know God's life is a satisfying life? Now, some folks, listen, because I'm going to come at you sideways. Most folks don't enjoy God's abundant life because God can't resurrect what hasn't died. Well, let, me, let, me, let me rephrase it for you. Uh, let me say that everything in God's kingdom is diametrically opposed and mutually exclusive. Listen to me. Of everything in the kingdom you were in before you made Christ the Lord of your life. Up is not up in this kingdom. Jesus said, a man that humbles himself, God will exalt. So everything is diametrically opposed and mutually exclusive. In this kingdom life you don't grab for the gusto god said if you want to live you have to die so god's not asking you to try to be a better person that just i mean that's just one of the most riveting thoughts that could ever be said in a church god did not give his son on the angry, mean, cruel, biting beam called Calvary and raise him from the dead so you could try to be a better person. That's religion. Quiet. Crickets. God wants to give you abundant 
life. He wants to do for you what a phone booth did for Clark Kent. He wants to change you into a different human being. So let's walk through it for a little bit. You know, it's often been said that you learn the most from your mistakes. How many of you remember being in school and you really, really studied and it was a 10 question test and you missed one, which was 90% that knocked you out of an A and knocked you down to a B. Do you remember that the thing you most remember from that examination where you missed one question was the one question you missed, not the nine you got right? Because we learn the most from our mistakes. Esther Dyson said it this way. I love this. Always make new mistakes. Say that back to me. Always make new mistakes because the first time it's a mistake, but the second time it's a choice. I'm just going real slow. I just want you to absorb ye little sponges ye. Amen. Life's greatest lessons can be learned at the worst of times and from your worst mistakes. The wisest man that ever lived, King Solomon, was the product of one of the most gross mistakes in the life of King David. King David became the original internet porn watcher, first degree murderer. Because we, he went where he shouldn't have gone, looked at what he shouldn't have been looking at, and then reached out for what he never should have reached out for, ended up having to murder Bathsheba's husband. And he lost a child, but Solomon, the wisest man that ever lived was conceived of King David and Bathsheba. Some of the worst mistakes you will ever make will give you your greatest lessons. Ty Lopez said, we need to learn from other people's mistakes. Look at your neighbor and say, you're a good object lesson for me. I'm about to learn watching you make mistakes. Come on, we got to learn from other people's mistakes. So with that thought in mind, I did some reverse chemistry to bring the thing all the way back to the beginning, where the greatest mistake in the entirety of the history of the human family was made. I want to talk to you about some missteps of our misguided mother. She made some mistakes. 
And hopefully I'll get it to, to it a little later, but no mistake is ever made in a vacuum. Every mistake is like a stone thrown into a pond. There's a ripple effect and sometimes hundreds and thousands and millions of people are affected by your one mistake. And it wouldn't be so bad, but you kept doing it. Lives are lost because of repeated mistakes. Fortunes are lost because of repeated mistakes. Always make new mistakes. Never repeat them. If you're on your job and your boss has to tell you the same thing three times, you are not making a mistake. You're choosing not to pay attention because you don't have any understanding of the consequence of your actions. So today we're going to start in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 3 and we're going to look at some missteps. The great apostle Paul said, but I fear that somehow as the serpent deceived Eve, say that, as the serpent deceived Eve, your mother, through his trickery, so your minds might be led astray from the simplicity that is in Christ. Look at somebody and say, this thing's not difficult. Come on, talk out loud. I'm an audience participation preacher. Say it. It's not difficult. So let's start Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. With the creation of our pristine parents in the Garden of Eden. They were created in innocence. Stay with me. Are you able to listen on Mother's Day? I said, unlike all of us, the two of them were created in innocence. What is innocence? Innocence is the possibility of holiness. Track with me. Innocence is not holiness. Holiness is power. Innocence is not power, authority, dominion. It is the possibility of dominion, authority, and power. It all swings on the hinge of opportunity, choice. God so valued your freedom and mine that he gave us all the opportunity to choose. And it is in the decision making where the mistake is made. It is in the realm of mental reasoning where the mistake is made. It is not in the commission of the act. Innocence is the opportunity to make the right 
choice. Innocence is the opportunity of power. Right? Because the decision you make determines the future you create. God, God's kingdom does not work on destiny. It works on decisions. God's blessings are always contingent. He always says, if you do this, I will do that. So if you want to make fewer mistakes, you have to learn to make better decisions. Now here's where you mess up in your decisions. I will, I want, I have a right. I want, I will, I have a right. Everybody else is doing it. God wants me to be happy. Wrong. He wants you to have joy, but happiness he's not even involved with. Happiness is a result of happenings. Joy is a result of right decisions. God didn't say, be thou happy even as I am happy. He said, be holy even as I am holy. Where does holiness come from? Holiness is produced when innocence makes the right decision. See, they want it, they want it microwave. They want to run up here, let me bop them on the head like little bunny foo-foo hopping through the forest, scooping up the measy mouse and bop them on the head. That's not how this works. Still one of my favorite commercials of all time are the two ladies about my age trying to understand Facebook. And finally the one says, this is not how this works. I want to say that to people sitting in church pews. This is not how this works. God forever surrendered his right to act independently in your life right here. Genesis 1, 26 and 27. Look what he said. Let's make man in our image after our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, that's dominion, and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. Look at your neighbor. They can't see whether you're grinning or frowning and say, just want you to know, I have dominion over all the creeps. And, and there are a lot of them. Amen. All right, so he makes them. Now watch this. We're going to have humanity's first biology lesson for all of you follow the science crowd let's take up right here see how far we can get with science so God created man imagio Dei in his image and 
He created him male and female. In the beginning, God. He doesn't take one word to qualify himself to his creation. Later on, a very wise man would say, can the pot tell the potter what it should be? Or does the pot with his own imprint create the vessel of his joy? The Bible takes no exception to introducing God into everything. You sing an old song, Brother Gray's, he's God on the ceiling. He's God on the floor. He's God on the platform and God back at the door. He's everywhere. He's everything. Everything that was made was made by him and nothing that exists exists except by him. However, as God wants, as your Bible wants to introduce God into every subject, the secular, humanistic, and socialistic culture of which we are now a part, choose to leave God. Notice I said choose. To leave God out of everything. So your Bible wants him in everything. The culture wants him out of everything. Now I wrote down a few words and I chose them quite carefully. Let me share them with you. I, now anytime I say something you might agree with, clap, shout, wave. I want to know who's standing with me. And I want to know who's been deceived. I will not be bullied into submission. I will not be silenced by the God-haters, the Christ-deniers, nor will I be intimidated by aggressive and violent mob rule. I refuse to be muzzled. Come on, moms. It's women that change the world. I will not be muzzled 
while the founding faith of our nation is driven from the marketplace of ideas. I will not sit in embarrassed silence while old face, new agendas rush in to fill a void left by supposedly outdated and discarded Christianity. We must not remain in timid silence while the very words of our Constitution intended to protect our faith are being used to destroy it. This all owing to a horrible perversion of language and law. You see, the same First Amendment that bars government from restricting our faith is being used to drive biblical Christianity out of the national public square. Our culture ought to be secular, we're admonished. No prayer in our schools. No God in our pledges. National parties at their national convention saying the Pledge of Allegiance like this. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the Republic for which it stands. One nation, indivisible, with life and liberty for all. But you didn't notice that, did you? No God, no prayer, no faith. We must not, we cannot continue to allow such persecution of our faith to go unmarked. This is a battlefield, not a recreation room. Let us all, to a man and to a woman, push back against this assault, against our values with all the veracity that God Almighty will grant us in His great name. Either God less humanists are right or the Holy Spirit is right. The book is right, they are wrong. Our choice is a simple one. We will either trust man's ever-changing opinion or God's unchanging word. Mother's Day. Would you like me to continue or have you had enough? The complexity of the human body, which your Bible says is fearfully and wonderfully made. If you don't believe that, listen to this. The complexity of our physical bodies presents a compelling argument against the very basis of all of this double speak the theory of evolution theory theory 
Dr. Canfield. In order for us to make a human body, we need some raw materials. We need 58 pounds of oxygen, two ounces of salt, three pounds of calcium, 24 pounds of carbon, some chlorine, some phosphorus, some iron and sulfur, a little glycerin. Those would be our basic ingredients. But we would still have to complete our do-it-yourself human creation kit we need to assemble it all into a cohesive, functional, human person. So let's begin. Let's take something very simple. Look at the top of your hand. Let's begin with your skin. Your palm-olived, lotioned, mine is craping, skin. Uh, it'd have to be paper thin. It would have to stretch over 18 square feet. We'd have to build it into that skin two million sweat glands to keep our body temperature a COVID safe 98.6 degrees. Every one of those sweat glands would have to be a tightly coiled tube buried deep within the skin's inner layer with a one-fifth inch long duct rising to the surface. Now, a piece of skin the size of a normal postage stamp, of which you have 18 square feet, something a little more. Three million cells, one square inch of human skin, three million cells, three feet of blood vessels in that one square inch of skin, four yards of nerves, 100 sweat glands, 15 oil glands, and 25 nerve endings. Now imagine, if you can, what we'd require for us to manufacture eyes, ears, hands, feet, blood, veins, arteries, kidneys, liver, heart, stomach, brain. First, we'd have to make cells. We don't need a lot of them, just a quadrillion. We'd have to work on a minuscule scale. The nucleus of each cell would be less than 0.0004 inches in diameter and only 0.0000005 inches thick. Their core would contain genes and chromosomes. And upon those, we'd need to imprint the master plan, the blueprint, the code of life containing all the necessities to determine whether that one cell would be that of a horsefly, a horse, or a human. 
We'd have to keep in mind that every minute, every 60 seconds, three billion of those cells is dying. You know that 60 seconds ago and 60 seconds from now, three billion cells in your body will die. Puff it up, pluck it out, paint it on, pull it up, stretch it tight, snip it off. You're dying. Three billion. So we'd have to replace every one of those cells every 60 seconds with three billion brand new living cells. for 60 seconds. What a God. What a creation. At that rate, in a single day, we would have to produce 4.32 to the times 10 to the 12th power. Did you make a screen as to what that looks like? Okay. Write it down. That would be 4, 320, 000,000,000,000,000. Oh no, that's the stimulus package, sorry. <laughs> both of you in my office at the conclusion of today's service. Dead cells being replaced with brand new cells every day in this six foot two inch frame. The odds of all of that happening are multiplied millions of times less than the probability of a printing factory blowing up and you walking out into the middle of it and finding a fully abridged Webster's Dictionary in perfect order, including punctuation. That's what every mother and every father have been given by God the grace to create. And to create it to live forever. Do you remember all of those numbers? Of course you don't. But God did all of that with the exception that not one cell in your body would not be 
dying and replaced with the living one ever, i.e., you were created to never die. The remnants of that are still alive within you right now, 60 seconds from now, and last year, and tomorrow. But what happened? Our innocent mother made, in the most graphic of terms, a fatal mistake. Do you remember that I told you that all of the blessings of God are conditional? God said, if you do this, I'll do that. So God says to Adam and Eve, our pristine parents in the elegant Garden of Eden, standing next to the happy, splashing river of life, he says to them, look as far as you can. Your eyes are a wonderful thing. You see all of this? It's all for you. Except that tree. One single tree. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the midst of the garden, you shall not eat of it because when you take a bite, all of that will reverse. And instead of living to live, you will live to die. You will surely die. So the next time you see sin, brand it murderer. Life destroyer. Joy annihilator. Friendship destroyer. Family breaker. Mind confuser. Murderer. The next time your tongue wants to speak evil and tell your friend, I'm telling you, don't tell anybody else. Murderer. I look around here and I see folks that I haven't seen in a long time that I was seeing after COVID. They're not gone because of COVID. It's not a smoke screen. They're gone because people can't close this. And I could take you right to them. And I'll remind some of you gentlemen, your Bible does not call it Eve's sin. Your Bible calls it Adam's sin. And the reason she sinned was because he refused to correct her. Put that in your modern culture pipe and take a toke. Yes, men and women are equal, but they are not the same. 
They are created with a divine imprint that makes them the perfect match for each other. God. 51 words describe humanity's greatest tragedy, and I will close. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, what's the first thing she did? She saw. Sin always begins in your five senses. Sight, smell, taste, touch, hear. And remember, no one ever sins alone. Your sin is at this moment destroying the lives of other people. She looked at it. Your Bible says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, fleshly, but they're mighty through God. Watch. To the pulling down of strongholds, shout stronghold. The casting down of imagination, say imagination. And bringing every thought, say thought, captive to the obedience of Christ. Hmm. Reverse. This is the law of reversal in your Bible. God says the last thing first, the first thing last. It all begins with a thought that becomes an imagination that produces a stronghold. She saw it. What are you seeing? What are you hearing? What are you yielding your senses to? She saw it. After she saw it, the great invader came carrying a virus to infect the entire human race with a communicable contagion called sin. The deceiver waited until Eve was alone. She saw the tree. She looked at it. Her look became lust. Her glance struck the match. Her gaze stoked the fire. God, I want to preach. Lot lifted up his eyes and ended up in Sodom. David saw Bathsheba and ended up watching his child die. Psalm 119.37 says, turn away my eyes from beholding vanity and quicken me in your way. Later, David had learned that lesson and he declared, my eyes are forever toward the Lord. What would your eyes be like? if they beheld him more than anything else? What would your life be like if your ears heard him more than CNN and Fox News and the gossip on your Facebook? It's all a choice. The serpent appealed to her appetite. It was good. 
for food and she was hungry. Luke chapter 4, Jesus was hungry. So the devil said after 40 days of fasting, command these stones that they be made bread. You're hungry. And Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the living God. So the devil took him up to a mountain. He's appealing, you see. He's appealing to the appetite. Look down upon this world. I'll give the whole thing to you if you'll fall down and worship me. Jesus squared his shoulders and said, I worship God alone and him only will I serve. So he appealed by taking him to the top of the temple and saying, cast yourself down. God will give his angels charge over you. And Jesus said, you will not tempt the Lord your God. It doesn't take long to kindle the flame of appetite. I'm going to say it again. I know you want to go and I'm going to let you. I said, it doesn't take long to kindle the flame of appetite. How'd your last diet go? Doesn't take long to stoke the fires of a negative appeal to your appetite. Just ask a drug user. Does it take long? Ask a smoker how easy it is to lay that thing down. Oh, no, I mean a vapor. It's a vapor. Ask someone that dabbles in pornography how long it takes until it controls you. Multitude church folk, laity, bound by diverse lust, while rebellious reality stars and podcast influencers, so-called, baptized in blasphemy are poisoning the population. This flood of moral abandonment has so blighted our minds, corrupted our culture, silenced our preachers, and duped our young people that Hollywood, with all of its talent, and social media, with its devilish reach and demonic agenda, have taken the foolish, the vile, and the empty, and made them awesomely appealing to a deceived generation, while the church takes unspeakable glory and and manifold cure and bungles our presentation as though we were lying. The world has been lying well and we have been telling the truth badly. Therefore, we've now got drug addicted mothers who put their next fix ahead of their child's next meal. We have abusive fathers who put their perverted drive for sexual gratification ahead of their own daughter's need for common dignity. I refuse to continue to attempt to build strong biblical families on the faulty foundation of a culture in absolute collapse. She saw that it was good for food. She saw that it was pleasant to the eyes, thought, imagination, stronghold. 
And then the excuse. Remember, excuses are like noses. Everybody has one, and you rarely see an attractive one. Excuses. I don't know that anything gets under my marvelously created skin like excuses. Which are the majority of the time just lies. Yes, amen. Excuses. Here's why we need excuses. Because sin is unreasonable. Did you hear me? So your excuses are ludicrous. Well, I fell into sin. If you fell into sin, it was not sin. Because sin is always and absolutely an act of the will. You made a decision. Right? You didn't stumble into it. You took a thimble and dug a swimming pool. You filled it up with an eyedropper. You constructed a high dive out of matchsticks, climbed to the top and dove in. And you say anything else, you can't repent. No one can trip you up to sin. No one can dupe you into sin. You are given by God the ability to choose. There's a madness to sin. Here's why. Satan has to change your moral construct to lead you into sin. Men have to be conditioned to take another human being's life in war. We're murdering babies. We're murdering our own children. Thank you, Margaret Sanger. We're murdering An entire generation. How could we do that? Well, because we were conditioned. Life had to be devalued. It's a blob. Not according to the science. Not according to our 3D ultrasound machine at the Women's Clinic of Columbus. I can show you a picture. But we excuse it. Preachers, lying, jellyback preachers who make the excuse, well, if they're going to tell us to keep all these babies, why don't they tell us how to feed them? 
how about you sell your Mercedes? Am I making you nervous? God didn't give me my voice back after cancer to placate the mob. And I won't. You can vote me out. Oh, no, you can't. Satan will always make an excuse for you because, because sin is illogical. What makes a man get up in the morning, kiss his beautiful children and the mother of his children, then go get in his car and open up his computer and look at the filthiest mess that could ever be conceived in the human mind. There's a madness to sin. I graduated in high school in 1975. I'm 64, don't try to add it up. 1975, 1976, the number one song in America and the number one album in America that year was a little thing by the Eagles called Hotel California. Welcome to the Hotel California. Any time of year, you can find us here. So I called out to the master, please bring me my wine. We haven't had that spirit here since 1969. They stab it with their steely knives, but they just can't kill the beast because sin has an insatiable hunger and left untended, it will destroy you and everything you love. Well, it seems right to me. Mm -hmm. Well, everyone else is doing it. Mm-hmm. Well, I deserve to be happy. How's that working out? Your porn addiction make you any less hungry for love. Your alcohol addiction make you any less thirsty for alcohol. Does your lying tongue Ever get satisfied? There's an insanity to sin. What makes 8,000 of our beautiful young teenagers surrender their virginity every day between 14 and 16 years old? What? Proverbs says it best. There's a way that seems right, but the end thereof, the ways of death. And then she ate. Her desire became her decision. <laughs> her choice became her chain. 
here's good news. You can learn from her mistakes. Everyone standing, no one looking around, please. I feel the presence of the Holy Spirit in a very strong way. A very, very strong way. Every head bowed. Every eye closed. No one looking around. Here's the reality. Although she made so many mistakes, our misguided mother, yet God came. He came down into the midst of all that retrieval. He set a flaming sword turning in every direction in front of the tree of life so men and women would not have to live in that fallen separated from God's state, ashamed and hiding. God said, I'm going to make a way. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, to become the price paid, the propitiation for your sin and mine. And he said, all who would call on the name of the Lord would be saved. He said, come to me and I'll give you life. He wants to restore that broken and jagged, torn relationship between him, a timeless God, and you, a temporal mortal. He wants to give you eternal life. He wants to set you free. He wants to redeem you, to return you to the original state of affairs before those tragic mistakes. I want you to let him do it right now. You say, well, what do I have to do? You simply have to confess that you need him, that you have sinned, and that your sin has separated you from him. But he gave his son that whosoever would believe upon him, confess him as Lord, would not perish, but have eternal life. Oh, he wants to give that back to you today. I believe you want to receive it. But God so values your freedom, He won't make you. So He gives you this moment to make a decision, to choose heaven or hell, God or Satan, life or death. Choose life. Do it today. I'm going to count to three. And when I say three, you want to know Christ in a most personal way. You want to know that you're forgiven. You want to have the assurance that you're on your way to heaven. When I say three, those of you online by the multiplied, multiplied thousands, I want you to type in the simple two letters, me. And if you'll leave me your email address, I'll send you some literature to help you. And you pray with us when we pray. Those of you in these great tabernacles, when I say three, I want you to shoot your hand up in the air. We're going to pray and God's going to hear and answer and you're going to leave today a brand new man, a brand new woman, a brand new son, a brand new daughter, a brand new father, a brand new mother. 
this is your moment. Make the decision you'll be glad you made when we stand before God, as we all will. On three, come on. Raise that hand, do it now. Hands are already being raised. One, two, three. Raise that hand and leave it up high. Don't put it down. All over the building, from the second row to the back row, hands are going up. You online, type it in right now. Me, do it. Hallelujah. 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 Leave that hand up. One of our ministers is coming to give you literature. Leave that hand up. Type in your email address. Let's pray out loud so you can hear it. Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father, I come to you, I come to just, you as I am. just as I am. You are God. You are God. I am not. I am not. Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus. I confess you. I confess you. I believe in you. I believe in you. I receive you. I receive you today. Today, as my personal Savior. As my personal Savior. I will live for you. I will live for you as you show me how. As you show me how. Thank you for doing for me. Thank you for doing what for I me. could never do myself. What I could never do myself. You. You are Lord. Lord. Amen. Amen. Now give him praise because you're just as sure for heaven if you meant it as if you're already there. We're no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. I'm no longer a slave to fear. One more time, just cause we can. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed it, I want to invite you to tell someone in your life about the podcast. Hope you'll do it today. Head on over to iTunes and leave a review. Share it on your social networks for me. Really helps me get the word out. I'd love for you to connect with me on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. No easier way for me to minister to you every day and throughout the day and for us to join together in faith as God moves in and through your life. You can find links to all my pages at rodparsley.com. God bless you now, and I hope you'll listen again soon.